following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Clap your hands for the Lord. Come on. Wow. Ah. What a joy. Amen. I'm smiling on the outside. I feel mm, on the inside. I've been battling allergies for about a week, and, uh, you know, I battle them until they start winning or I start winning. And then if they start winning, I'll take something. But as long as I'm winning, I'm just laying hands on my head every morning and saying, I'm going to make another day. But it's joy to see all of you tonight, and uh, it's an honor. I, uh, I, I, know, I know where my strength is. My strength is in the Lord. I want to talk a little bit about Sunday. Uh, Sunday's going to be a special day. One of my favorite, one of my favorite people, my, my, my assistant in Derrida, Louisiana, when he was a 21-year-old young man, uh, came to help us and, and assist us. And he is my brother-in-law. Our birthdays are on the same day. I'm the right side of what he's the left side of. He's a left-hander and I'm a right-hander. He is uh, 16 years to the day younger than I am. And he's going to be here ministering on Sunday. He has led a huge organization for a long time, just resigned that. And they are building a beautiful new sanctuary over in, at Grace Church in Humboldt. And we're excited that he would take off on Palm Sunday and be with us here on Sunday. And you're going to love Pastor Scott Jones. He asked me today or the other day, said, how long do I get to preach? And I said, about 32 to 35 minutes. I said, and the people will leave. You can preach as long as you want to. But the people will leave after about 32 to 35 what he, doesn't know, what he doesn't know is that y'all won't do that, but I told him that, okay? And then Ricardo Sanchez is going to be here with us Sunday also to lead worship. I think that's going to be a great day. So we want you to be here and be here on time because you don't want to come in late on Sunday hearing the second and third song of, of Pastor Ricardo Sanchez. You don't want that. You want to be here early and get all you can get. I'd like to say to everybody here tonight that I shook your hand and you are a first-time guest. Thank you for being a part of what we're here about tonight at Christian Life Church. We are a church that is grace-driven and we're purpose-driven and we believe that Jesus must lead us and He must direct us. We're Spirit-led and Spirit-directed and Spirit-filled in this house and it's an honor to be that kind of church in South Austin. Amen. So. When the preaching is coming tonight, if you want to clap your hands, clap your hands. If you want to say amen, say amen. This is what it's all about. Next Monday morning, next Monday morning, we're starting prayer. I'm excited about it for five days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm going to take a little time after prayer to tell you about how those days went in Jesus' world 2,000 years ago. We're going to talk a little bit about that. It's going to be a great time. We'll have, we'll have donuts. We'll have coffee for you. But most of all, we'll have a great Connect Day with Jesus Christ every morning. So I love you. I'm excited about this time. I wanted Pastor Reed to let me just say a few words before Pastor Brad came tonight to preach the gospel. We're doing a series called Getting Back on the Wagon. And we talked about getting your faith back on the wagon, getting your friends back on the wagon. Last week, getting your finances back on the wagon. And now, I'm going to let him introduce it himself. Our executive pastor, Pastor Brad, is coming to bring the gospel to us. Amen. Clap your hands. Stand to your feet. I love you. Stand, Stand to your feet. feet. God bless you. Come on. Get up. Get up. Stand to your no. feet. Clap your hands real big. Hey, give clap that you. to Jesus. Amen. Hey, how you feeling tonight? You feel good? Well, you look good. If that makes you feel any better, you look great. And uh, while you're standing, let me just take this moment to 
to tell pastor thanks for the opportunity to stand in um, a pulpit that you preach behind every single week, and you've done obviously a tremendous job. Um, it's an honor. It really, really is, and I don't take it lightly. I want you to know that in front of everybody. I, you're my father-in-law. You've been my pastor um, as long as I can remember, and to stand on this platform behind this pulpit to preach to this group of people is um, it's a dream come true, and uh, I honor you for that. In fact, you can be seated. Hey, some of you don't know my story. Let me tell you, if you're somewhat new around here, um, anybody know that you're in a great place? Come on, yeah. You're in a great place. And I don't tell you that because I work here. I tell you that um, from a little different vantage point. See, I was raised in this church. Uh, I've got, my parents are in this church. My grandparents are in this church. My sister's in this church. I've got an aunt and uncle that are in this church. And uh, I was baptized in this church. I was dedicated in this church. I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in this church. Now I'm raising my children in this church. Come on. You are in a great, great place. And it really is an honor to be able to serve um, in the house that uh, has put so much into me in the 35 years that I have walked, crawled, this earth. <laughs> uh, so it, it really is. And we, Pastor mentioned it a while ago, we are wrapping up a four-week series called Getting Back on the Wagon. And so I have the opportunity to close that out tonight. And as he said, uh, week one, we talked about getting back on the wagon with your faith, right? Getting your faith back. And then week two, we talked about the importance of having the right friends in your life. And then last week, Pastor Reed encouraged us about getting back on the wagon of our finances, getting everything in order. And tonight, I'm just going to throw it out there and tell you where we're going. Tonight, we are going to be talking about getting back on the wagon of your future. Of your future. I recently read a a very interesting story about a pastor and his wife who were uh, in an East Coast airport trying to catch a flight back home. And they stood in the curbside check-in area with their bags, but The line was just not moving. Can anybody picture what I'm talking about? This is a frustrating moment. And so they begin to ask questions. Excuse me. Hey, what's going on? Like, we've been standing here a while. We got heavy bags. Why isn't this line moving? And the attendants replied, sir, nothing's working. (laughs) The conveyor belts aren't working. Our computers aren't working. In fact, everything is shutting down and we're waiting on things to be corrected. And so they stayed at the airport for hours along with thousands of other people waiting for things that were broken to be fixed. And as dusk began to settle, an announcement came across the loudspeaker over the airport. The airport is shutting down because we have no power. Can you imagine that? 
And they find themselves, right, in this situation, the the blackout, if you can remember this far back, I know it's been a night or two, but the blackout of 2003 when the East Coast went dark because of a, a power grid failure. Nothing in the area had power. In fact, they were trying to get a hotel room, and all the surrounding hotel rooms near the airport were, were booked up. They finally found one that was open, but the hotel had no power. And they said, if you can't get here in 10 minutes, we're giving your room away because we've got so many people that are trying to get into a powerless hotel just to have a place to lay their head at night. And so they made it to the hotel. They, they climbed the stairs by flashlight. They got to their room. Keep in mind, listen, they don't have any AC. They don't have any lights. I don't know about you, but that's not fun for me. I don't enjoy that. And and so they didn't either. And his wife, believe it or not, she said, I'm going to go to the window and just try to pull back the curtains to see if there's a little light from the moon that can help bring a little bit of light into our room because this is crazy right now. Like we can't see anything to, to get ready for bed. And so that's exactly what she did. And when she opened and drew the curtains, that's when they saw it directly across the street, literally directly across the street was a Marriott hotel. And the Marriott hotel was completely lit up, 100% lit up, bright lights. They opened the window. They could hear music playing. People were outside eating. And so they make their way down the stairs, down into the Marriott air-conditioned Marriott hotel where they had lined the entire lobby with TVs that had a news station playing on it, talking about how dark the East Coast was. People were standing in line to get hot food. I mean, this was just a phenomenal moment for them. So inquiring minds want to know, don't they, how could there be this amount of light and so much darkness? So the pastor being, you know, most pastors don't have a difficult time talking. And so the pastor went up to the assistant manager and says, Listen, sir, I don't understand what's going on here. How are you able to do this when everyone else in this area is struggling? And he said with a smile, listen, people have been asking this all day. And it's really quite simple. You see, when we built this hotel, we built it with a gas generator. So... Watch, we have power on the inside that's not dependent on circumstances on the outside. We've got something working within that overrides things that aren't working on the outside. You see where we're going tonight? Even even though everything around us might be dark, we are well lit because we have something that others don't possess. So in the middle of a dark situation, there was a well-lit location. And I think if some of us were honest with ourselves this evening, when we, we talk about our lives and where we are in our current state of affairs, you might say, you know what, I, I, the location that I'm in right now is a not-too-well-lit location. It's not really that pleasant of a place to be in. Maybe you have a a sense of hopelessness, finding yourselves living under overcast skies, 
living in a sea of hopelessness, surrounded by a land of emptiness. A sense that life's just not working out the way that you wanted it to be. It's not the way that you've dreamed it up, right? The way that you and your wife have talked about that you you dreamed for your kids. Your, Your current circumstances are not so great. Regrets, circumstances not in your favor. And because of your today... You have given over to the fact that your tomorrow has to be just like your today because your today is awful. And since your today is awful, guess what? Your tomorrow surely has to be awful. And this is the mindset that some of us have. And that's, that's exactly why I love Jeremiah chapter 29 and 11. And you know this passage of scripture. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I have a place that I'm taking you. I I have a plan for you, says the Lord. And it's a plan for your well-being, not for your, your demise. No, no, no. I've got a plan. I've got a hope for your future. Well, that sounds great, Pastor Brad. I love that. But how how do I know that God really has a plan for my... Let me tell you, if you're sitting in this room, if you're alive, if you're breathing, God has a plan for your life. If you can consume the oxygen in this room, listen, if you're alive today, he's got a plan and a design and a purpose in mind for you. Okay, so let's take it a step further. If that's true, then how do I find out what that plan is? (laughs) Because uh, it is my life, and I need to know what this great plan is. I, I need to know how to find this plan. What, what it, and here's where you and I go wrong so often. We set out on a crusade to find our future and our destiny, and we miss the designer of our future and our destiny. But, but I, I want to know, like I want to know what my future is going to hold. I want to know what the next 10 years are going to look like. How can I find out the plan? Well, if you read a little further in the word of God, look what verse 12 and 13 tells us. Then you will call upon me and you will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me. With all of your heart. Listen, the way that you locate your destiny is by locating the one who knows where your destiny is. So don't go destiny hunting. Don't don't set out to try to find your future. Don't go plan hunting. Go planner hunting. Try to find out where the one is that knows the plans that he's created for you. Because he knows where he's taking you. So the first thing, if you want to get back on the wagon of your future, the first thing that you and I must do is pursue the designer. Pursue the designer. If you've ever seen Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade, real spiritual here tonight, (laughs) then you know that he's on a quest for the Holy Grail. And his father, Dr. Jones, has... A map 
of where the Holy Grail is. But the problem is, right in every good story, there's an evil group of people that, that want the Holy Grail too, and they want the map that his dad has that will lead them to the Holy Grail. And so what do they do? You can guess it. You've seen the movie. They, they steal the map. And when they steal the map, young Indiana is discouraged and he's depressed. And, Dad, they've taken the map. Dad, what what are we going to do, Dad? They're going to get to the Holy Grail before we do. Dad, they've stolen the plan. We we had it all figured out of how we were going to get there and be the first ones. What are we going to do? Dr. Jones says, listen, Junior, hey. I, I, I love you. I appreciate your enthusiasm. What, what do you mean, don't worry, Dad? Well, I don't need to worry. I mean, they've stolen the plan. He says, yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. I know that they've stolen the plan. But where is your attention, son? What, what are you focusing on? Don't, don't pay attention to them, son. I wrote the plan. <laughs> You see, I I know what the map says, not because I had it in my pocket, but I'm the designer of the map. I created the key. I know exactly where we're going, and I know how to get there. Keep your attention on me. Follow me, because I am the designer of the plan. And this this is a huge word, This, this word attention. And I want to walk through this for just a few moments tonight. And I want to draw your attention to the book of Revelation chapter 4, starting with verse 1. John the Beloved is, is writing and he says this, after this I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice that I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. And you know this, this passage of scripture. And, and I think oftentimes what we do is we, we skip to what's coming next in this passage. We skip to everything that he would, he would see in this book of Revelation, right? And, and it's exciting and it's necessary. But for a moment, I want to draw your attention to how he saw what he saw. And the word attention, once again, is extremely important because John said, after this, I looked. In essence, isn't it interesting that that everything that John saw after this would have not been revealed had he not been paying attention? If he wouldn't have been paying attention, attention, John says, after this, I looked and there before me was a door and it was open in heaven. How many of you know that you have a standing invitation to experience God's presence tonight? But you have to pay attention. You can't miss your moment. Like like you have a standing invitation and when you walk in here and the worship's going and the atmosphere is set, listen, this is your moment to experience the presence of God. You have to pay attention Because attention opens the door of access in your life. Watch. If negative emotions have access to your heart, it's because you gave those emotions your attention. If memories of of pain and hurt dominate your thought life, it's because those memories 
have your attention. How, how can memory hurt you? It's already happened, right? It can only hurt you if it has your attention. Let me stop for a moment and just let somebody know tonight that there's some things that you've been giving your attention to that if you would turn your attention from them, you would take the power of them. If you would take your attention off of some of the things that you're focusing on that's keeping you awake at night that won't allow you to sleep. If you will just transfer your attention from this to something else. Listen, you're going to take the power of them right from them. God wants to know what has your attention. What has your attention John said, after this, I looked, and there before me was a door. You see, it was probably there all along, but, but I saw it when I looked. I mean, I, I just, hey, looking around, and you can miss what's right in front of you or, or to the side of you. You can look anywhere you want, but, but you have to pay attention. And he sees the door when, when he looks. And John was in exile on this little island called Patmos. He had been sent there because of his testimony of the word of God. That's what the Bible tells us. He calls himself a a fellow sufferer in the kingdom of God. And isn't it interesting tonight, don't you find this a bit wild that God gave some of the greatest revelation to a man who was in exile? Can I preach to you tonight and just let you know, I don't know where you find yourself currently. I don't know what situations life has you in. I I don't know exactly where you've been or what you've done, but you have access to the presence of God even if you are in exile. Even if you find yourself in some of the most hopeless situations, the presence of God can find you. You have access. You have access. He said, after this, I looked and there was a door. And I think it's important what the door means, but I also think it's important for us tonight to see where the door was. Because he didn't say, after this, I looked and there behind me was an open door. No, 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 that's not what what our Bible says. You see, the open door is never behind you. Here's the second thing that I want you to understand tonight that if you are going to get back on the wagon of your future is that you have to look forward. You have to look forward. You've got to keep your eyes fixed on what's ahead. You've got to keep moving forward. And here's what I'm trying to tell you tonight is that some of us have been stuck in regret. You've been stuck on what happened or what has happened. Some of you have had your peace ripped from you. And you want it back. Some of you have had your hope stolen from you. And you want it back. You've had your joy stolen from you. But I don't know where to find it. I don't know how to go get it back. And John says, after this, I looked before me and there was a door. Can I tell you tonight that the open door is always before you? You got to keep moving forward when it seems easier to go back. You got to keep walking and looking what's before you. The open door. The open door is always before you. Can I just tell you that your best days are still to come? 
Come on, your best days weren't when you were 17 and 18 hanging out with your buddies. You may be 75. Your best days are yet to come. The best days for this church are yet to come. God's not finished with you. God's got more in store for you. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. Life might have you laying on your back on an island called Patmos, but you're not stuck there because, listen, if you can't find a way out, God will find a way to elevate you up. He's going to find a way to elevate you. You might be laying... Your body might be laying down on an island. You you might be laying down on your job, whipped and defeated. You might be in a hopeless situation in your bank account. But when you can't find a way out, God's going to elevate you. And I know, listen, I, I know this, this makes for good preaching. That's a catchy statement, whatever. But show me in the word of God what you're talking about, Pastor Brad. Stay with me. I'm getting there. Brings me to the third thing that I want you to understand about your future. If you want to get back on the wagon of your future, you have to accept the invitation of elevation. Let me read this passage again. Revelation chapter 4. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice that I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet. What does it say? It said, come up here. It didn't say, stay down where you are. No, no, no. It said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. You see, you've got an invitation to be elevated. And you've got to notice that John's, John's vision, he didn't get there by effort. Like if I work harder, if I just try, I'm just going to, oh, I'm going to will myself to get there. And I'm just, no, 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 you don't get there by effort. You get there by invitation. It's a standing invitation to be elevated. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It was a voice like a trumpet making an announcement and it said, come up here. And I will show you what must take place after this. And at once, I was in the Spirit. You know how quickly God can take you from way down here and elevate you in your life? John didn't say, I'm going to go on a 21-day fast. No, no, no. He said, and the first voice that I heard, and instantly, I I I was in the Spirit. It didn't take long for God to go ahead and elevate you from a a lower position to a place that he wants you to be. God can do it in a moment when you've worked a lifetime to try to get your situation where you think it should be. I know we don't have the same invitation that John had to see, right, the the unfolding of the end time events for the history of the world before it happens. But we do have a standing invitation that any time we want to lift our eyes to where our help comes from, any time that we want to put our attention on the one who knows the plan that he has for us, 
You and I have the opportunity to focus our minds and our hearts on him anytime that you and I choose to. Where is your attention? Come up here, the Bible says, and I will show you what's going to happen next. In essence, I don't want you, I don't want you to look back at your future through the lens of all the bad stuff that's happening today. I don't want you to look through it through the same lens that you've been looking at. I need you to accept an invitation of elevation and get God's perspective on your future. I don't want you to see it the way that you've always seen it. I want you to see it differently than you've ever seen it before. And it takes practice. Let's be honest, it takes a lot of practice because we're li- used to living at a low altitude. <laughs> we're, we're used to living down here. In fact, some of us have grown comfortable living down here. Right? We, we live in the depression, in the frustration, in the anxiety. And then nothing's working for me, nothing's going my way. And, and it's just become so comfortable that you don't even know how much you're complaining. But, but, but we're, we're used to it and we, we've grown comfortable in it. We're not used to, to being elevated. We're not used to coming up. We're not used to the, to the air, right? It kind of it burns your lungs when you breathe it in because you're used to living at a low altitude. Your stomach is all in knots with the anxiety of what tomorrow's going to hold. You can't sleep at night. I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen if you started thinking about all the good things that happened today instead of all the bad things. I'm talking about little stuff. And this is the biggest thing, but when's the last time you said, Lord, thank you for saving me? No, 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 we like to say, Lord, thank you for paying my bills. When's the last time you just said, Lord, thank you. My wife made me breakfast today. She didn't have to do that. (laughs) Lord, thank you for the miracle that was my children not fighting while they were getting dressed for school today. Hallelujah. Oh, y'all don't have little kids. Lord, thank you for providing a job for me so that I can provide for my family. You see, it takes practice. It takes practice because it doesn't always come natural start increasing your elevation one thought at a time one day at a time one night at a time one one action at a time i'm not going to end my day as a victim but i'm going to end my day as a victor I'm not going to end my day defeated and down and depressed because of what life circumstances has for me, but I'm going to look forward to what God has in store for me. i got to hurry. Because, see, I've got a place around the throne of God. And I can see my situation because I've been elevated This is what we're talking about in John chapter 4. So tonight I'm trying to to get you to see your future from a different perspective, from 
from a higher vantage point, from a place that you're not used to seeing your future from. And John said, I, have, I saw a door and I heard a voice and at once I was in the spirit and there before me was the throne in heaven. Pastor Andy, if you'll help me. And if I had more time, I would tell you a whole lot about this throne. I would tell you about the beauty of what John saw. I would tell you what was around the throne. I I would talk to you about the rainbow that was around the throne, the brilliance. I would tell you about the 24 thrones that are surrounding the throne with 24 elders sitting upon those thrones clothed in white robes, wearing gold crowns. We could talk about the lightning and the thunder that were coming from the throne, representing how powerful he is. We could could talk about the, the seven lamps of fire that were burning before the throne. We could talk about the sea of glass that was like crystal before the throne. We could talk about the four living creatures around the throne. Each having six wings, one looking like a lion, one looking like a calf, one having the face of a man, and one looking like a flying eagle. And did you know, did you know that one day, these four living creatures decided to write a song? And you know what, the the Lord was just with them this day, I guess. You know what the song says? Here's what it says. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they do not rest day or night. Holy, holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And guess what? It doesn't stop there. Because whenever the the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him, guess what? The Bible says happens too. The 24 elders fall down before Him and worship Him, casting their crowns before the throne, saying this, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor And power for you created all things, my future included. And by your will, they exist and they were created. Would you stand with me? Talking about getting back on the wagon of your future. And here's the last thing that I want you to understand. And really, I think it is probably the most important thing that I want you to understand tonight. That if you want to get back on the wagon of your future, the fourth thing that you have to do is move over. Move over. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 2 says this, At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Can I give somebody some good news about your future? Can I, can, I just, can I give you a little bit of good news about your future? There is a throne. And someone is sitting on the throne. And it's not you. There is a throne. There is somebody seated on the throne. 
and it's not you and it's not me. It's him. The one who who reigns, the one who overcame, who was and is and is to come. There is a throne and we don't sit on it. I don't know tonight. I don't know what you've been up all night worrying about, frustrated about, anxious about. I don't know the situations that you have to deal with, but I'm sure they can't be much different than mine. I know that there's there's things in life that weigh you down. And anxiety and, and frustration and confusion about what's to come. What is tomorrow going to hold? I don't have a job today, so what's going to happen tomorrow? How am I going to feed my family? Why am I going to see my kids again? I, I don't know. I don't know what you've placed on the throne of your heart. But tonight, It's time to put Jesus back in his rightful place. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If it's comfortable for you to do so, why don't you throw your hands in the air? Like you need to hear this tonight. Fear, fear about my tomorrow, you need to leave. Fear about my future, fear of what's going to happen, how it's all going to play out, how it's all going to get taken care of, what's going to happen with the situation that looms over your head. Fear, you need to leave. Not because I'm telling you to leave, but because this seat is taken. (laughs) You can't sit on the throne of my heart any longer. You've had my attention one moment too long. You've kept me up to where I can't work, I can't function. I'm frustrated, I'm angry. Fear, you have to leave. This seat is taken. This seat belongs to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Fear, you have to leave. 